don't answer them out loud necessarily. <laughs> but I want to do an experiment with you this morning, and we're reading from the book of Acts, chapter 3. And I'm going to read it through, and I'm asking you, what do you notice as I read through this? What do you notice? What is going on? What is the profound miracle that actually takes place in this retelling that Luke does in Acts chapter 3? What is the profound miracle? Or if I were to put it another way, what changes? Let me read this for you from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple, called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What's going on? What did you notice? Another question I want to ask you is, uh, whose perspective did you relate to? Who did you relate to? Whose eyes were you seeing this through as you were hearing this? Normally, we have a time of Q&R later in the service this morning. We won't be doing that, but I want to invite you, uh, if you do have questions, you can still text or email those questions to ask at westviewchurch.ca, and we'll look at that box, that inbox, and we will interact with the questions that you have. So feel free to do that. We won't respond to them this morning as we usually do, but we'll look at that inbox. So text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca. I want to go back to this text now. And I want to read it again with us to understand what is actually going on. What's happening? Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those who were entering the temple. So what was going on every day daily at the temple? There was a scheduled time of prayers. This was one of them. 
in the afternoon. It was the late prayer time, the scheduled time of prayers, and people were bringing this person. He was, this man was lame from birth. So from his birth on, he was lame. And they would regularly bring him to this gate so that he could ask for alms or for money. That was the medical care system that he had for those people that were visiting the temple and going in to pray. And one of the things that the people in the synagogue emphasized was this prayer time, this worship time, but they also emphasized charity. So the idea was that they would bring this fellow to the gate of the temple every day and people would give him some coins as an expression of their charity. So he would anticipate this. But what do you notice that's actually going on? It's actually a form of exclusion. They would bring this man every day to the gate of the temple, but not in. He would get as far as the gate, and that's where they would drop him off, at the front door. It was an economic relationship that was being set up here, this structure. An economic relationship, and an ever-present um, reminder of the imbalance between the haves and the have-nots. So the system was, bring this man who was born lame to the front door of the church. And the structure was, those that came regularly to pray would give him a coin and thereby look charitable for those going regularly to pray. I wonder when you heard me read this, whose perspective you had, who you related to. I know who I related to when I was reading this. We read it through a certain lens. There's, there's Peter and John. There's the crowd. What happens when we read a particular passage of Scripture is that it actually reads us. It reveals our position. And oftentimes it can reveal our position of privilege. If we relate to Peter and John. Well, they didn't have money, but they were in a place, in a position where they had, you know, an ability to relate. They could walk. But what about the relating to that lame man? I think there are plenty of people that relate to the person who feels disenfranchised, marginalized, discounted, not wanted, in the zone, but not really included. Social media has really perpetuated this, this uh, diversity of of people and these barriers. You know, you have all these images of what it looks, what it should look like to be a woman or what is the responsibility of a man and social media is perpetrating uh, th th these messages. And on Facebook or Instagram, we, we populate it with just the best and it's all so idealistic and it's impossible. And then we sort of have this perspective of the church. 
Well, the church, is the church a place where we actually belong? Is the church where people that are disenfranchised belong? Or is that a place where you go if everything is already sorted out? What is that perspective of the church, of Westview? And it's challenging. It's challenging for most of us who are affluent, who have means, who have a place to live regularly, who might have some friends or a job. And we can relate to those who, who express their kindness through charity because in reality, look, if we're just being honest here for a minute, it's actually easier to give a coin than it is the cost of my attention and my interest and my time. And so maybe people do set up near the church with a cardboard sign because they've come to recognize the system and the structure too. And we feel a bit of guilt or shame, so we give a coin. What was actually the miracle that happened here? What did this man born lame actually receive? Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms, money, basically. Peter looked intently at him, as did John. And he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Like, was this the first time? Was this the first time that Peter and John had seen this guy who was there every day? Was it the first time that they saw him? Was this the first time that this man born lame who was brought every day, was this the first time that he asked them for help? We don't know, but what we do know is this time, this circumstance was different. They saw him. And it was a new gaze. They had a new gaze. They saw him and he saw them. And they didn't have money. And yet... The giving continued. They had been giving in amongst themselves, the disciples and the followers of Jesus in church. They'd been sharing and giving sacrificially. And now the giving was continuing. And Peter said, I don't have money with me, but what I do have, I give to you. And I'm thinking, well, what does Peter have? You know, what, is, what, does, he ha what does he have? Well, he has the Holy Spirit. He has the gospel. 
And what we understand from Scripture is that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to people. We've talked about this. So when we see what he does, we understand by deduction that what he must have is a gift of healing. But it's more than just physical healing. And what do you notice? He, 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 he does this in the name of the Lord Jesus on the authority and on the power of Jesus Christ, who is alive. He invokes Jesus' name in, to, in order to invoke the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And he takes the right hand, his right hand, known as the right hand of fellowship, and he says, brother. And he says, brother, and he reaches his right hand, and he raises this lay man, and this lay man gets up on his own feet. So what does he receive? What does he receive from the Holy Spirit through this spiritual gift, through Peter, by the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, he receives physical healing. That's plain, but what's actually going on? What is, there's more. What actually happens when he is healed? What do you notice? enters the temple with Peter and John dancing and praising the Lord. What he really receives is a new life. He receives a new life. And it's a new life in community. It's a very different life from being alone and stuck there at the front gate to being in the temple praising the Lord. So this beautiful gate, as it's called, becomes an entrance to a whole new life. And adjoining with this community in praise and worship of God. So the miracle, the miracle is that he is given a new life. And it would seem like the systems and structures change. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that this era would come. In Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, the prophet Isaiah said there would come an era in time, an era where the Holy Spirit would come on people and the lame would begin to leap and jump, the blind would see. Jesus, when he was reading in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was in the synagogue temple, Jesus said that time that the Isaiah had prophesied about, that time had come through Jesus. And now we see the Holy Spirit had descended, the disciples had received the Holy Spirit along with spiritual gifts, and now very literally, a man who was born lame is dancing in the temple. And it's a new life in a community. And the disciples have a new life, sharing and participating in what is going on. But what about those people, those regular prayers who went regularly to the temple? What about the crowd? Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement what had happened to him. 
They were astonished. Yeah. Amazed at his physical healing. There was a historical aspect to this. They knew this guy. They knew him from young on. They knew that he was always there at the gate. They were a witness to him being lame. And now they stand in uh, astonishment and amazement because now they are seeing in a witness and testifying to the fact that he can walk. But it seems to me that they didn't notice. What they didn't notice was the difference between being out in the temple at the gate and being in the temple was just a matter of a man's ability to walk. So was the system and structure fully changed yet? Was it fully changed yet? They were really enamored by the physical miracle. Next week, Tyler is preaching from the next passage in this book. It just flows right from this one. I don't think yet the crowd, the regular prayers, until we hear Peter preach, which is next week through Tyler, the crowd hadn't caught on yet. The regular prayers. You know, the gospel, the good news here, friends, this morning is that God is a God who sees and cares for the marginalized. When human beings marginalize and they, they're, there are people that feel disillusioned and disenfranchised and discounted and they're disheartened and all the disses. But God sees. If that's you, he sees you and he knows you and he cares for you. And that was precisely the kind of people that Jesus interacted with. Friends, when we talk about salvation, when we talk about the gospel, it isn't just being saved from. What actually happens is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to give you a new life, a different life. He gives you life, and it's in community. It's a life in community. And the gospel brothers and sisters, is also a, a challenging message. It's challenging, this good news is challenging for us that are affluent, that have means and resources. Because the gospel and being and living a new life means not only a, a, a tinkle in the box or a coin in the box, but it means a new life of giving time and attention and interest and giving your presence and opening up so that people have a sense of belonging and that people have a sense that they are wanted because that is the truth of the gospel, the heart of our God and our creator. It took the healing of a lame man to really expose this uh, system and structure in first century AD. To, to highlight this brokenness. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was healed. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, this system and structure was beginning to erode. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we here this morning are given a new life and an opportunity to be a community of new life for everyone. Because I think most of us, most of us live with a limp. I think most of us live with a limp. 
I lead with a limp. Oh, it's not necessarily physical. But I have challenges in my life and in my family. I'm not perfect. It's not all sorted out. And the Lord has welcomed me into his family and into Westview. Most of us walk with a limp. And we are here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. So he has intended for new life for all of us. And a new life in community. Are we open to receive his new life that he wants to give us? I mean, to receive and to live into that new life. To live that new life. Are we open to participating and being a part of participating in giving that opportunity for new life in community? You know, I often wonder what help looks like. What does assistance really look like? Churches sometimes think that a model, like it's a, a come-to model. Well, if you need assistance or anything like that, you've you got to come here. And it's that come-to model. Other churches have this model of go, where everything has to be out there. What does assistance really look like? Well, if we look at what God did in the name and in the Son, Jesus Christ, it begins with presence. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So it begins with presence. It begins with being with people. Assistance, listening, welcoming. That, this business of community groups is so powerful. If you feel discounted or marginalized, I want you to hear it really clearly from me this morning. That God loves you and you belong and you are wanted. And you were wanted here at Westview. And your friends and your family members and your co-workers and your classmates God loves them and has a new life intended for them. And they are welcome here. But more than welcome, there's an opportunity to build community here. And disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, if you, that is you this morning, then I have questions for you. What do you see do you have a new gaze? Do you see people differently? Do you see people? Do you desire to see people the way Jesus sees people? What is it that you have? What do you have? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual gifts. What do you have? And what will you share? What will you do? You are so blessed. What are the blessings that you have? And will you just open that table and offer that blessing and make it accessible and available? What it is that you have, will you share it? It's difficult for me as a pastor because I see most of you uh, on Sunday morning, some of you during the week, but then we disperse. And I care for you, but I don't know what happens after this with you. And that's why community groups are so vital. 
that all of you become part of a community group, a caring group, a group that studies Scripture, but then also closes the Bible and practices what we've studied. You know, I want to invite the dancer, dancer team to return back to the auditorium here. It was God's idea that we would be studying this passage of Scripture when the Crossings Dance Company were here with us this morning. Do you get the divine serendipity of that? We all are dancing at some point. The Lord wants us to dance together and celebrate together and worship and praise together. This new life. This is the dance that we do.